Hi, welcome to the Smarter Coaching Podcast. My name is Sam Cowan, and I'm your host. Thanks for finding us. If you've not already done so, I appreciate you subscribing at iTunes or at Stitcher for the Smarter Coaching Podcast. And please leave a review and a rating. That really helped me out. You can also download the podcast and read show notes at my website, smartercoachingllc.com. And from there, you can also email me. The email address is smartercoachingllc at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter for announcements about upcoming podcasts. My Twitter handle is smartercoaching. Please leave any tips, suggestions that you might have for me. I really greatly appreciate it. So with that said, let me turn you over to today's episode. Hey, today's guest is Ken Martell, the Technical Director for the American Development Model at USA Hockey. And in this podcast, we talk about how USA Hockey approached uh, youth sport coaching differently and the changes it's made in the past decade. Ken explains how hockey came to this new model to develop athletes and coaches. One point that I think is really great that he makes is uh, how hockey changed and started looking at the game more from the kid's perspective than from the adult perspective. So many of the rules and uh, things involved in youth hockey were really put in place for the benefit and the ease of adults. And I use the term once again here, the adultification of youth sports, and I think it comes into play here as well. Uh, Ken and I discuss a better way to approach developing athletes and hockey players uh, Ken also is really forthright about some of the mistakes they made along the way and not including uh, some of the stakeholders in this change and not necessarily being very good at convincing the uh, stakeholders that this would pay off for them in the long run. They were eventually able to do that. So I want to turn this over to uh, Ken Martell. And even if you're not in the hockey, I think this is a really good one, particularly if you're involved in a sport organization looking to change your culture. So here's my interview with Ken Martell. Okay, sitting here with uh, Ken Martell from USA Hockey. He's the technical director for the American Development Model. And uh, Ken and I have known each other for a few years. Uh, when I was in the coaching education circles, would come across Ken, and we'd meet up, Some usually never in Colorado Springs. And this is a running joke amongst very, our group. Very topical, yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, I did want to get Ken on to talk about the American Development Model, coaching, um, what hockey is doing that's really – you guys have been a leader in this for a while now. And so, um, why don't we start by just giving your background uh, in hockey and education okay, and all sure. the other areas? Well, uh, I probably had an unlikely start. Uh, uh, grew up in Southern California, which is not your traditional hockey hotbed. Although I'm happy to say that uh, California is now our fifth largest hockey population state in the country. So it's really come a long way since I was growing up. But grew up in Southern California, played all my youth hockey, went to school out there, and then. Uh, did the typical hockey thing uh, for players that are aspiring. I moved away my senior year in high school to play uh, junior hockey in the Midwest uh, in Minnesota and got my scholarship to go to school uh, at that point. Uh, played at Lake Superior State University, a small school in upstate Michigan, and uh, very proud of uh, uh, for, for a small, it's the smallest school that's ever won the NCAA championship, which yeah. Uh, happened happened my junior year. They've won it a couple of times since, so that's pretty pretty exciting for a tiny little uh, school. Yes. And then went on from there, uh, went really straight to grad school at St. Cloud State and got involved uh, coaching with the the university team and from there to Michigan Tech University for a while, uh, to the U.S. Air Force Academy for a short stint, and then nine years with our U.S. national team program in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. So, uh, and then from there, transition to the national office. And I've been here for about nine years now. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, good. that's it. You, you've hit some of the hockey powerhouses there between St. Cloud, Lake Superior, and Michigan Tech. Well, at, at points in time, yeah. Yes, okay, so, yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, any programs, they can go up and down, especially with something like that. So it's great. So um, tell a little bit about what your role is here at USA Hockey. Well, uh, myself and a group here, um, uh, currently it's, it's really to help try and implement our ADM program across 2,000 youth programs that we have uh, with USA Hockey across the United States. 
So it's bringing really best practices in coaching, uh, in club management, in on-ice product, so to speak, for our kids, off-ice product for our kids, um, uh, for all 2,000 of our youth programs. We have a small staff and a very large geography to cover. So like most of us in the NGB world, I think we get stretched uh, thin, but uh, it's a fun job and we really enjoy it. Yes, it is. And that's, so 2,000 youth programs. Basically, yeah. Which is covering how many kids? Probably. Oh, we're, uh, let's see, right now I think we're uh, just shy of about four hundred and about four hundred thousand okay. youth players across the country. All right. So, yeah. and we're one of the few youth sports or team sports that's growing. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, we've attributed to a lot of the changes we've made with our our ADM, mm-hmm. and we'll can talk about that in a little bit greater detail. Well, actually, that's my next question. You mentioned the ADM, the American Development Model, several times. Let's jump into it. What is the American Development Model? Well, it's USA Hockey's long-term athlete development plan, so to speak, um, where we've really looked at our own sport, and we're fortunate that we've had some some good role models globally. Unfortunately, not here in the United States, but uh, some of our European countries do a, a really good job with their, their kids, um, slowing things down a little bit, treating their kids more, you know, they're eight-year-olds like eight-year-olds versus 18-year-olds, which in our country, we have a tendency, I think, across a lot of different sports to ramp things up really, really quickly um, before kids are, are ready for it. And uh, so for us, it's we did a, a real uh, internal evaluation. We've, we'd had a nas- standing national team program, which I was a part of in its early years. And I can tell you we made a whole lot of mistakes simply because we, we hired guys like myself that were college coaches or, or NHL coaches, professional coaches, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden now we're working with 16- and 17-year-olds. And in some respects, we're treating those 16- and 17-year-olds according to our background in adult performance versus, you know, still in those developmental years. And we learned a few things, and that particular program in ice hockey is now looked at globally as the best development situation program on the planet. So mm-hmm. really, really proud of it. Uh, but that kind of smacked us over the head that, geez, you know, um, if we're not doing these things here, like what else is going on in our own, you know, backyard within our local clubs? So we really did a, an evaluation on the landscape of, of youth hockey, uh, state to state, and what was going on, what pathways were for the kids. And, you know, you find pretty quickly that we we put a lot of rules in that are really make life easy for adults, but don't make a whole lot of sense for our kids. And really, we had to take a step back and say, okay, uh, where are we broken? What changes can we make? And how do we get this done? And f- from our end, we're really fortunate in that we have Big Brother in the National Hockey League. And the NHL is a healthy league right now in terms mm-hmm. of uh, their uh, financial situation, you know, they had, I think their salary cap has done a, a nice job for them, uh, getting some things put in place and the health of a lot of their franchises is really good. And we had a number of owners, you know, 23 of the franchises are located in our country and, you know, they really want to see growth and development of the sport here in the United States. So we were fortunate that Several of the owners, uh, Peter Kamanos in particular, was was very instrumental and kind of came to USA Hockey and said, you know what, let, let's work on a development plan. So our staff kind of, the timing was, was right, and um, they've allowed us with some additional resources to do some of the things that we, we get a chance to do, which really helps, um, you know. So, yeah. uh, and it, it's good for their their business. I mean, USA Hockey and the NHL have two mutual long-term goals. It's one to have more American kids play the sport. Mm-hmm. And, hey, we both want more Americans to play the sport really well. Exactly. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it for an NHL franchise, you know, we're really proud of our growth and some things. You know, we've had, now had a Nashville born and raised player play for the Nashville Predators. You know, we've had California born and raised players that play for the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks. You know, mm-hmm. so... But it, it is a global league. 
and we want to see the percentage of, of Americans in the league you know, go up over time, which is a, a good goal. And from their end, you know, it, it, it's certainly a lot nicer to be able to announce that they've just acquired, you know, Ben Smith from, yes. you know, uh, the University of Michigan right. uh, versus, you know, Victor Feliknikov from someplace <laughs> in Siberia, like, yeah. you know, to their fan base, right? Yeah. So the, that's that's good for them. And then, you know, we're, we'd like to see more kids play, try the sport. Um, you know, we think we've got a great game. Um, you know, with through our ADM, we've had a couple of studies that were done and, you know, things on moderate to vigorous physical activity for kids, for example. And yeah. we turn out really, really high in your, the time spent in your practices and games and those things in that the right, the right physical activity zone, yeah. so to speak. So from a healthy perspective, it's, uh, we think we got a great sport to provide a, uh, a great outlet for kids. So, you know, uh, that's a little bit of what our American development model is. It's best practices. It's everything from our rules to uh, looking at equipment to uh, playing surface size to helping our coaches deliver what it is that we want better. Uh, so coach education is a big thing. And we went through a big change there when this came along. So um, it's been a we're, – we're six, seven years now into this. And – when you're doing it day to day, sometimes you still like it's things aren't happening fast enough. But yeah. when you do take a step back and you look, uh, our small staff is we're pretty happy with where we're at. Uh, the changes that have gone into to place and we certainly aren't perfect with a lot of that. We, we made some mistakes in implementation as well, but it's it's really been a, a benefit to our organization. And we're seeing growth. We're seeing retention. You know, it's one thing to have kids come try your sport, but if they don't have a great experience, then they'll walk away and go, you know, do something else. Yeah. And they have lots of choices. And actually, we're, we encourage them to go do lots of other things because, you know, if you're only coming to the rink, you know, two, three, four times a week, you know, that's not enough physical activity for kids. So we're, we push them to go play other sports and do other things. But, um, you know, we certainly want kids to play the sport. And if it's not a good experience, they'll find other things to do. So sure. uh, our retention, especially with the programs that we've done a lot of work with, is through the roof. So really, really good for us as an NGV and uh, good for our kids. Yeah. So. Well, you mentioned some of the changes that you guys made. What were some of the changes from the old way of doing things till this to this new model? Yeah, you know, and a lot of it's really more about change than anything else. It, you know, no matter what you change, people, you know, hockey's a sport that's been around in North America for you know, over 100 years. The mm -hmm. NHL is having this January 1st, their 100th anniversary game. So, you know, it. Wow. We, we're, we've been around for a little while, yeah. right? So the way things have always been done, um, anytime you change something there, even if it's good, it, it takes, there's some resistance. Of course. And... For us, just just doing something as simple as looking at our ice surface and for kids eight and under, turning it sideways so that they play across the ice mm -hmm. versus the full ice, the, the same size playing surface that the you know, six four, six five guys <laughs> play at the adult level, right? So that's a big change, and we still have pockets of areas where you know people. We have some resistance to it. Now, our rules are in place. We've made rule changes to where that's the acceptable version with mm -hmm. under under our rules. But, you know, there's still pockets around the country that we have some pushback. Not many anymore, which is great. But, uh, you know, something simple as that where it, it makes a lot of sense when you take a step back and you look at it. I mean, every other sport downsizes for their, their kids. I mean, you, know, you physically can't cover the ground right right but yet that's that's been a hard one yeah you know we've changed body checking rules mm -hmm. uh for our kids we've we've done things on the administrative side for example we we discontinued a 12 and under national championship that we had had um you know because it makes doesn't make a whole lot of sense um you know and there's always going to be some competitors out there that come in and 
And we have one that is going to run eight U national championships. I mean, okay, you know, whatever, <laughs> but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to anybody in the, the real world. Right. Um, so we've made and, a lot of changes. And we don't see the Finns and the Russians oh, and the no, other no. guys doing or even eight under national championships. No, heck, the Canadians don't do yeah. national championships till you know, 14, 15, mm-hmm. you know, in those ages. So, you know, yeah. why, why, why would we, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, we, we, we have 34 affiliates across the country and they are, according to our affiliate agreement, allowed to sort of run hockey in those state, multi-state organizations mm-hmm. in our place. Now we have rules that govern things nationally, but you know how it is where, you know, things to adapt to local environments, and we're, we certainly encourage it for them to put in rules and, and, and structures that that make sense for their for the kids and for their local population. But as I alluded to before, a lot of times the rules and things that get put in make life really easy on adults, but don't help our kids and their development and, and those things. So part of what we've done is gone through and helped our affiliates remove some of those impediments to kid development. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that we do, we try and kind of look at it through the the kid's eyes versus the adult's eyes. And for a lot of us, it's hard because, you know, it's been a long time since I was 8, 9, 10, yes. 11, or 12, right? <clears throat> exactly. And your perspectives change and what you value changes. And uh, that's not what is important necessarily for a kid in his development. So those were big changes. And then probably the one of the largest changes we did was really in our coach education program was to take this type of information and get it out to all of our coaches. Now, we're really fortunate in our sport compared to some of the other NGBs in that we have a mandatory coach education program in place. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we're not kidding anybody tell, you know, saying that you show up at a class for a day and, you know, whoop, there you go, you're a coach, right? Yeah. But um, we had a delivery system that was already sort of in place. Uh, we'd made a change to that mandatory system, you know, maybe 10, 10 years before, eight years, nine years when there, before our ADM came along. So for us, the delivery mechanism to kids in, in how the sports played is the coaches. So hugely important. And we knew that we were going to get in front of them. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up doing was um, creating a, a series of online modules that are based on the age group, age classification that you're coaching. We tried to throw a lot of different things in there and they're about six hours in length. And um, what's really cool from our end is we've had NHL coaches and people at that level, you know, call us and say, Hey, you know, I thought this was going to be a little bit of kind of BS that I had to go and take this, Yeah. but it's great. Mm -hmm. You know, what I do with my kids' nine-year-old team and versus what I do day-to-day with NHLers is really different. Yes. And, you know, so when you when you have people like that coming back telling you that the product's pretty good, you know, it, it sort of validates That's that. That's great validation. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're happy with that. We need to continually evolve. There's, there's things that we need to do, and we're looking at how to make changes with it. But maybe the single greatest thing that it's done is create a common language from one end of our country to the other. And that's the language is important, you know, concise language, being able to communicate well in your ideas and having people get exposed to the same thing from one end of our country to the other has really helped us um, in a lot of ways, just in terms of uh, our delivery and people understanding sort of what it is USA Hockey's trying to do. I mean, we're not, with our ADM, we're not heavily prescriptive in because we certainly want coaches to coach to their own personalities, to coach to the kids and the individuals that they have. And we're not telling them really what to coach, but it's how to coach. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to direct them into... You were a facilities-driven sport. Ice time's expensive. Um, we want them to be productive. And one of the, the things that we've had problems with in our sport traditionally, and this goes back to a traditional change, is that you know your team size, for example, um, well, in our sport, it kind of gotten out of hand a little bit because people wanted an NHL roster of 20, 20 skaters. Well, you, you know, for kids, you know, they can play every other shift. <laughs> 
and go all the time. Yeah. So we don't need 20 kids on a team. You know, we only need 10, 12, you mm-hmm. know, for those little, little ages so that they get a chance to play and have fun. No one wants to sit on the bench. Right. So, but roster said when you have, say, 14, 15, 16 kids on a team and they're little kids, well, putting them on one ice surface for practice is not really very economical for no. one. But you don't need the whole ice surface to teach the sport to kids that can't cover the rink. Yeah. Right? So from our end, it's teaching our coaches to, to how to put more teams on the rink at the same time, um, how to keep up with principles in terms of just watching the number of repetitions that kids get in what you do, um, thinking about the quality of what they're doing. Uh, we've, we've focused a lot on, in our sport, because we're an open-ended, you know, team sport, invasion sport. So we do a lot of small games mm-hmm. to teach and which is far more fun for the kids than doing drills, you know? So, yeah. uh, helping coaches evolve, you know, you, you walk into a rink and it, it can look really chaotic because there's a thousand different things going on. We have more coaches on the rink, uh, smaller group sizes. So, your delivery and what you do with your kids can be better and more efficient. And we always kind of use the example to our parents and coaches. You know, if it was your own kid, do you want them in a classroom at school with one teacher and 35 kids? Or do exactly. you want them in a classroom with, say, six six kids? Mm-hmm. And you know, how much more effective are you going to be as a coach in those type of environments? Especially on things that... You know, with little kids you don't need you don't need the whole team you know yeah. and you can rotate through and so just showing them how to be more efficient and change what we do but that's very different than how the sport had traditionally been delivered well i would think most of your coaches because my hypothesis is we tend to coach as we were coached correct so you've got those coaches who are in their 40s and 50s who grew up on that model of Drill, yes. drill, drill, drill. You stand around, wait for your turn, and do it. Yes. Now, this is totally different, but I got to think it doesn't take them long to figure it, out this is way better. It doesn't. Um, Once they actually do it. And yeah, it. and, and w- we have some good and bad in just the makeup of our of our coaches because we're not necessarily a traditional sport in a chunk of our country. Um, historically, you know, who shows up to coach your youth teams? It's a parent, a volunteer, mm-hmm. right? And they may or may not have a background in the sport. And that can be good and bad in making the changes. We find that um, people that are just coming into the coaching world, um, they grab onto it and they're great. And we have some really, really, really sharp youth coaches out there mm-hmm. that and they're, they're, they don't have a hockey background, but they know, you know, they're good communicators or they're they're you know, good with management and uh, mm-hmm. the kids and provide a really good environment. So um, they've gravitated, picked us up. And for a lot of things, especially with the youngest levels, uh, I don't see us having too much of an issue, uh, at least on the practice side of things. Uh, and it's one we're seeing really good throughput right now. You simply... I think because the organization had been pushing the, the games-based approach um, for a while, even before we came along with our ADM. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of sport and sport development, especially in sports like ours. And, you know, 10 years ago, you could walk into any rink and with, with programs, youth programs that sit 15, 16, 17 years of age with that have our better players – um, you wouldn't see any of that going on. Now you can't go into a, a rink with anybody that's a decent coach mm-hmm. that actually isn't doing some type of programming like that. Yeah. And we're seeing much more intelligent ice hockey players. Um, sort of the knock maybe on the American player at the high end was, you know, we were big, strong, fast, powerful. We could skate with anybody in the world getting around the rink, but – you know, we weren't always the, the sharpest knife in the drawer, you yeah. know, um, and that has changed uh, dramatically. Uh, some of the best up-and-coming players now on the planet are Americans. Okay. Um, we're really excited. And they're from, you know, the number one overall draft pick this past year was from Phoenix, Arizona. 
played all his youth hockey in the desert. You know, like, <laughs> so if you can turn out to be the number one pick overall and he gets drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? The mm-hmm. One of the oldest franchises in the NHL and he's yeah. supposed to be their savior. Hey, you know, we've come a long way. Yes, you know, absolutely. So if, for example, this past year, we had more Americans drafted in the first round of the NHL draft than any other country, you know, first time ever. So things are on the uptick at, at a high end for us. Yeah. But that's really not necessarily the entire goal of our ADM program. I mean, it's to create the right playing environment uh, for kids. And, you know, if you do that, you tend to have more that turn out later on because right. they're happy, they enjoy the sport. And we kind of use the, the tagline, play, love, excel. We want to want to go out, we want them to play, we want them to fall in love with it. And then, you know what, if they truly love the sport, then maybe they'll put the time in later on that it takes to be, to excel. Yeah. And because you're not, if you don't love it, to be good at anything, I mean, long term, you, you got to really have a passion for it. And we say the same thing about our kids going to play other sports. We want them to be multi-sport athletes. We look at our, our NHL guys, you know, all of them will tell you yeah, we're multi-sport athlete growing up. And, you know, if a kid chooses to go and play another sport uh, and not play hockey, then we didn't do a good job of making it fun enough, enjoyable enough, uh, the right experience for that kid. Mm-hmm. And if that's their passion in life, hey, you go do that. Great. And we're fortunate too because it's a sport you can play cradle to grave and you know it's low impact everyone thinks you know the nhl and big hit and all that but you know our adult non-check leagues and those things i mean uh, you know our office still plays uh we have a game regularly across across the way over here you know you can play to your 70 80 years old we have a have old timers and adult championships at 50 and 60 and so it's a great game yeah and we hope that they'll come back and visit us at some other point in their life if they choose along the way that they want to be a baseball player or yeah. football player. Well, it's it's one of those that you had mentioned to kind of the cradle to yeah, cradle to grave kind of thing of yeah, if you step out, there's no rule that says you can't come back in oh, yeah. later on. I mean, tons of sports are like that. You know, a lot of yeah. people grow I I did this, I grew up playing tennis for a bit. Went away mm-hmm. from it, came back, yeah. went away, came back. No one ever said, oh, sorry, Sam, That's you right. stopped when you were 14. That's you can't right. come in here anymore and do this. Yeah. So, it, And it does that activity level, too. And I love that you mentioned that earlier about the vigorous, moderate and vigorous activity yeah. levels of kids. And yeah, you know, We come out ahead issue. of, uh, at least in the studies that have been done, uh, we come out ahead of a whole lot of sports. So it's yeah. really, you know, it's a good, healthy environment for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. You talked about the multi-sport part. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard sell to get to your folks to accept that? I think it depends on the con- constituency that we're speaking to. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure probably some rink owners and facilities owners don't uh, necessarily appreciate that. But I think one of our downfalls when we we started our ADM program is, is we didn't pay enough attention there are a lot of stakeholders out mm-hmm. there, whether it's the parents, the coaches, the kids, the referees, the you know, the facility owners, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we didn't do a, a good enough job um, showing them how beneficial this is to their business. And, you know, a few years into it, um, we did have a, a couple of facilities that uh, had some smart people and were able to sit down with them, show them some things. And now... You know, for example, they're adding another sheet, another ice sheet to their to their building because the they're over capacity Fantastic. in terms of what what we've been doing, and they will they will attribute it strictly from a business side of things to what you guys are doing with your ADM program. You know, they show up on a Saturday morning, the parking lot is filled, the concession stand is you know <laughs> packed, you know, everyone's buying coffee and a donut or whatever, yeah. you know, and the the pro shop in there. So they figured out this is a pretty good thing. Okay. And, you know, happy kids come back. And we talk about it's hard metric-wise to, sure. to measure a lot of things. But another advantage we have as an NGB is the, about 
99% of the kids that play our sport are registered with USA Hockey. Mm-hmm. So we can track, you know, when they come in, what club they play at, right. um, you know, when they walk away from the sport, at what age, what, you know, where they were, and who's doing a good job at either bringing kids in or especially retaining players. Right. Right. So uh, it's the player retention. So if you retain more eight-year-olds to come back at nine – and then you're doing that every year, and more nine-year-olds come back at ten. Well, pretty soon the business model is instead of having you know a hundred kids in your club, you've got two hundred kids, yep. or three hundred kids, or four hundred kids, or whatever. Now, you know, from the rink owner's perspective, oh, that's it's that's really good. pretty yeah. good, yeah. And it, we made the mistake of not showing them how. Anytime you change someone's business model. Yeah, they they get nervous right away. And we're talking about a big investment. Somebody oh, has of course. An ice rink. That's you know. That's right. That's it, right. It's not like my business. I'm a running coach where I got a few garments laying around. That's about it. You know, yeah. Four hundred dollars worth of that. That's right. If you change my business model, time would kill me. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. So you know, and and that that's on us at USA Hockey. You know, and so again, we had that that coach delivery mechanism already put in place. So we. We jumped in right away with that because that's what's going to affect the kids. Mm-hmm. But we needed to come back around and fill some holes with either our parents, our facilities, you know, the referees. I mean, you go from full ice traditional 8U hockey game to cross ice. Well, do you need referees now? Well, what do you mean you, you don't necessarily need referees? Like that's cutting into, <laughs> you know, what, what I do or our training program for our kids. Our younger officials, or so we've put play, things in place to help fill those voids and do do what we need to do. But um, those are things that you know, when you're looking at stri- this strictly from a, a sport, um, de- youth athlete development, sometimes all of that gets lost when you're just looking at the kids and, yeah. and how you do. It. So we made mistakes and uh, thankfully have come back along and try, like I said, filled in some of those holes and. Things are going really well for us. Okay, I got to ask this question because my ignorance here. So, at the eight and under, when they play cross ice, mm-hmm. no referee. Uh, no, we we encourage having one official out okay. there. Okay, all right, uh, can cover to, that amount of ice. Oh, easy. Yeah. And I mean, the kids move very slowly <laughs> at, at that age. If you're right, um, it's a great learning environment for a younger referee. You know, they don't they don't drop puck. They drop a puck for a face off if there's a goal okay. scored. Uh, but kids will change, you know, on the buzzer, so it keeps things moving along. But it gives a young kid the ability to learn to move in and around players and avoid things. Um, if a kid does something that's against the rules, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trip somebody, you can go over and say, hey, they can help explain that to the kid. Okay. You know, so the kids start to learn rules and those things. So it's more of a learning environment a, than a absolutely. crack in the whip well, environment. And we're not... You know, because we're not really concerned about what the score is or any of those things at, yeah. at, at those ages. Although the parents all know. and The you know, kids they, all know. The kids all know. They keep I mean, score, too. So, yeah. you know, and, and for us, we just say, look, we, we won't keep standings. Mm-hmm. You know, and what we like is we'll get a number of teams together and you'll play a 20-minute game and then rotate and shift and play somebody else for 20 minutes yeah. and then shift and play somebody else for 20 minutes and there's your hour. Well, Scores never really get out too out of hand, and you know, so you got to restart every every twenty minutes, and mm-hmm. so the kids all feel good about themselves, and um, you know, so it's a positive experience. Absolutely, that's what you're really it's, trying to aim for. Making a positive fun. experience for them, they have fun. Um, you guys did cross ice. The nice thing about that, and a lot of sports do this: soccer, mm-hmm. small sided games, and stuff. Yeah. What are some of the advantages of doing those? Uh, just the number of contacts. You know, with the puck is a, is a big one. Um, in our sport, we look at so skating is a kind of a prerequisite. A little bit, <laughs> and it's it, it's really a big differentiator in our sport. You know, at a young age too. You know, the kids that can skate that they, on the full sheet. You know, a kid, a good player, he can skate right around the outside of everybody. Go down on a breakaway, right? Yeah. Well, in that small ice surface, even the good player now gets challenged because you got to get to a net. It's you can't really skate around everybody on the outside. You still have to get back to the middle, and it's too short. Where kids are always in the play, okay. um, and 
in our sport, it's it's turning, stopping, starting, changing direction. Those are the difficult skills. Straight ahead, hey, you know, it, pretty easy, right? Yeah. So that environment forces our kids to stop, start, turn, change directions far more than the full ice environment. So it's a good developmental situation, skating-wise, whether it's puck touches, whether it's shooting, scoring, the goaltenders, you know, nothing worse than going into a game back in the day when you'd see the eight-year-old in in net at one end making (laughs) snow angels on the rink, right? Because they're bored to death because the puck's at the other end. It's been down there for five minutes, right? right? And it's 80-something feet away. That's right. So now it's, you know, for the most part, it's it's always sort of in the vicinity. You have to pay attention more. You're going to get far more shots, so you Mm -hmm. get to make more saves, more fun for the goaltender, um, lots and lots of really positive things on that game environment in terms of the repetitions in the sport that are important for kids at those ages, you know, well, at all ages. Super. I mean, we do the same thing with the big guys, you know, I, we, it, it, you know, in our sport, the, the longer you, the older you are and the better you are, the more coaches try and restrict the time and space that you have to make plays because we're trying to speed up the decisions and, and the things that are happening for you. So, it's really taking away time and space. So we keep trying to put our, our big adult players in smaller situations in practice that are very competitive. Um, things are happening faster than maybe they would even in the, the real game. Sure. So those are things that we're, we try really hard to replicate at the older level, yet people you know, want to put our little kids on <laughs> like that's it's an, it's an ocean. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm picturing that, and I know you've seen this, picture of the photograph of like the little leaguer standing on the mound at Dodger Stadium mm-hmm. and you know center field's you know 410 feet or wherever this is yeah. Dodger Field that way and it's like you know why would you do this or the or and I've posted this on another notes and I'll post on this one too the one of my favorite ones is the Scottish Soccer Association mm-hmm. it's got the little girl who introduces they put the guys on the oversized field yep. and it's like hey so we there. did we actually did the same thing yeah and filmed one on a late. We have a, an adult pond hockey championship every year, so we actually upscaled, yeah, upscaled the rink, uh, and shoveled off a, a facility, had nets made, just like this. It was yeah. a replica of the soccer sure. video. Yeah. Um, but all we did was stick a microphone in a bunch of adult players' face and just say, "What do you think?" Yeah. And the comments that they <laughs> they made were absolutely fantastic. No prompts, no scripting from us, mm-hmm. you know, 100% natural. They're, they're just going, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's what your kid's doing. Exactly you know? right. So um, we've done the same thing. We actually created another video um, for people that are interested in trying to sell this stuff to their parents. We took the same analytic uh, technology that they're using in the National Hockey League and put it on the kids. And we did um, comparisons on cross ice, half ice, and full ice at Joe Lewis Arena where the Detroit Red Wings play with eight-year-old players. So they're they're tracked digitally on the rink, and we could tell how often they had, you know, puck battles, how often they made passes, shots on goal, yeah. stop, start, turn, all these things. And the bottom line is is um, the big sheet is just not a very good environment yeah. for kids. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it really does. Um, I, you know, I think the the baseball example to me is just the the best of all because it's mm-hmm. so easy to picture that. Oh yeah, of, well, it, it's the American it's pastime, right? So, right. So everybody yeah. has some relation to baseball, yeah. and those things at least hit home. I and mean, we've tried to use ourselves other sports to help sell this to our families. Like you know, yeah. you you wouldn't do it in that environment. Why would you think this is good? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. We Actually, a lot of the questions I talked about here, you really hit on as you were going through this. Um, is there any reason another sport can't apply some sort yeah, of its not. own version, obviously, uh, oh, no, of the American yeah. development model, but using you guys as an example? Yeah, I mean, really what it is is take a step back, evaluate your own sport, what's important, when for kids and their development. Um this, there's no rocket science here. There really isn't. A lot of the information that we used, it's been around for a long time. It's basic physical education. Um, you know, so 
Shocking. Shocking, right? Yes. You know, there's, again, no rocket science, but it's, we use the term all the time around the office. It's, it's simple, not easy. You know, <laughs> what we're asking our people to do is really not complicated. It's simple, but it's not easy to do it day to day. You know, to be a really good coach takes a lot of time and effort. And in what we're asking our coaches to do, they have to be more organized. They have to have a plan. You, you know, they really have to know what they're delivering, how they're going to break things up, um, how to teach skills to kids. Mm -hmm. We actually require maybe even more. You know, when you're just the single coach and you go out in the ice and you just kind of yell and the kids, you, know, you get what you get, right? And this is actually requiring them to do more, to be better. And that's not easy. What we're asking them to do isn't necessarily complicated, yeah. but it takes a lot of work, organization, and, and effort. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's part of what it is that we're doing. Yeah, that's right. From a coaching development standpoint, I like that yeah. a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I got to think, you said early on there were some holdouts with this because mm -hmm. we have moved as, as a oh, yeah. country, we... You know, sure. there, there's this idea of early specialization. If you don't start when you're six, forget yeah. it. Hey, we've got, well. <laughs> or if you don't start only playing that sport at six, yes. you put it that way. Um, yes. Forget it. Yeah, and that's, like, in our in our case, and there's a lot of people that run around, you know, in our sport that are telling people, no, you got to, right? But it usually is for some economic reason that. I always want to look that motivation of the person who's pitching that idea. Yeah, it's, a lot of it has to do with. You know, you see this in a lot of sports, you know, come play for my team, come play. Well, mm -hmm. they, they, they want something from you and it's usually, you know, they're not doing it. Well, some, some are, so I want to get off track, but it, it's, um, and now I am off track. So what was the question it. again? Just, was um, good, just talking about the, yeah. the, the moving away from this idea of early okay, specialization yeah, right. so in, in a nutshell. If for us, our, our, it's not how our pros the top guys in our sport, that's not how they started. Mm -hmm. So what makes you think that doing, if they're all multi-sport athletes as a kid, like why wouldn't you do that? It kind of, kind of scratched my head. Because um, they find the one player who was not, and then they hold that example Yeah, up, and they ignore the other 28 players who were picked in the first round yeah, or that's, not. And, kind of thing. Right. I mean, the outliers are the outliers, right? But – um, in our sport, that's really not not how it goes. And we see a lot of kids that come into the sport. And certainly when you specialize early, you get better than some of the other kids early. Yes. There's just more time playing. I mean, a kid that starts at six, by the time you're, you're 12, well, you've been playing six years. Yeah. A kid that starts, you know, at nine, same three years. Well, you might be a little better because you got a little more time in. Yeah. But nobody knows what's going to happen. So there is, in the short run, a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And uh, If you're going for the 12 and under national championship, then, and even, that's your goal, then, yeah, then, starting at six makes sense. But Well, and this is where yeah. some of the rules and things that we do sort of perpetuate the myth. Like a lot of teams, you know, in our sport, with team sports, they have tryouts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, which... Okay, you know, I, I get grouping kids for games and those that, you know, make things balanced and, and fair. And, but they'll have tryouts day one. You show up first day and here's your tryout. Well, the kid that's been skating year round, like he's he, versus the kid that has been playing soccer or baseball or whatever in the summer and just shows up, you know, mm -hmm. it takes him a couple weeks to shake the rust off. The interesting thing is what we see is, you know, by December – the kid that had been playing those other sports is now past the kid that was playing all year round. Yeah. He's caught back up for sure. And they're way more motivated. You know, there's not this, I'm tired of ice hockey because I, I'm doing the same thing. It's yeah. th this fatigue level. And it's not just fatigue for the kids. It's fatigue from the parents, you know, like I got to go to the rink again. You know? yeah. right? So it just, we see kids that are pretty good up to about 15, 16 and then they just never seem to really get better. Yeah. You know, so. 
Well, and there's literature in other sports, tennis being one that's probably the, the sure. most famous study of the kids who early specialize. They, the males peak at 18, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the ones who did not, who multilateral development, peaked in their you know 20s, later 20s, which if you're looking strictly from a player development model, let yeah. move away from all the other positive aspects. Yep. Well, when are you making money as a tennis player sure. in your 20s, not when you're 18? Right. So, you know, it's the same thing. All right, if you want to be the 1800 national champ, that may be the route to go. But then where are you at right. 21, 22, and, 23? And we see this all the time that, again, in a sport like this, we are a contact collision sport as well. So mm-hmm. um, size, strength, power does play a, a part. And a lot of times you really don't know how things are going to shake out until after kids go through puberty. Well, right. you don't. So, you know, in our sport, especially the ones pre-puberty that are good, it, it doesn't mean that they can't be good later on, but, you know, it, nobody knows. Yeah. That's that's really the issue. And uh, we see this all the time that you talk to our NHL players and you know, They'll tell you, yeah, I was a pretty average, you know, twelve-year-old. Yeah. I was a pretty average fourteen-year-old. You know, didn't make the top team in my my club, and you know, mm-hmm. the league is just filled with those guys because yeah. that's not our sport. We, for us, we're an early participation sport, a late specialization sport. Yeah, which which most American sports really yeah. are and should be. Yeah. In my opinion, I'll stand out. I'll stick in. I'll take a place out on that. Yeah, they and, are and, they should be. Well, and for us too. I mean, it, it is important that they do get on the ice at a, a young age, simply because locomotion skills are. You know, every time they run up and down the stairs at school, you know, they're working on locomotion skills and a whole bunch of other sports yeah. potentially, not, not ours, right? right? So, it's they need some exposure so that when they decide that later on, they can at least be a part of. Because really, it's one of our challenges is we don't have enough entry points in our sport for teenagers, for example. Because if you haven't skated before, to show up, well, you can't keep up with anybody because you can't skate. You're just the uh, sort of on-ice observer that's kind of standing there and everyone's whizzing by you. Well, that's no fun for anybody. So kids don't tend to like to do that. So it, one of our challenges is we have to find more entry places for kids at, at a variety of ages. Yeah. It, it's funny, but after, you know, 13, 14, 15, those ages, tough to get into the sport until maybe you're 20 and 21, 22, when now you get adult hockey and you can jump out there and there's a whole bunch of people that have never played before. Um, they're all beginner beginners just like you. Yeah. So we have these entry points at the both extremes. Okay. You know, it's one of the things I really do like about um, – so the Canadians, the Canadian Sport for Life model. Yeah. It's one of the things I really like about that is that early on they encourage people to do, you know, do an aquatic activity. Mm-hmm. So learn to swim. Do, oh, yeah. Do, you know, snow and ice sports. I mean, it's Canada. So, you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're going to tell you to go out and swim ice, slide skills and things. That, so that they encourage people to, to sample those early on. So, again, you develop some of those skills. So if you do want to later on, oh, yeah, I got to kind of remember how to skate, but I'm not learning how to skate. Well, part of it. and, I, and I, I can tell you just personal experience. Like, I'd never skied before. Never downhill skied before, right? So a California uh, kid, not too okay. shocking. Well, um, and then hockey was you know, obviously played uh, where if you're in college, they're not letting you go skiing during the winter, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, you. Uh, I was 33 the first time I ever went downhill skiing and went downhill here in Colorado on some fairly, you know, and day one, I could go anywhere on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Anywhere. Didn't matter. Because I went from a quarter, you know, blade with two edges that's a quarter inch wide to one that's, you know, a couple inches wide. Stop. It's, it's, it's the same damn thing. The sliding skills, are easy. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been before. So why could I do that? Again, some some things transfer. Sure. And you want to expose your kids so that they have opportunities to do a lot of other things later on in life. I, I totally agree. As I said on another podcast, you know, I, I grew up in the South. Not exactly a hockey hotbed. In yeah. fact, you know, I grew up an hour away from a city that's lost two 
NHL franchise, okay? Uh-oh. Maybe the only city yeah. in America has lost a major sports franchise in the same sport twice. So, yeah. the old Atlanta, Georgia. So, yep. <clears throat> you know, um, and I was never exposed to, I mean, winter sports when I grew up were basketball and wrestling <laughs> were right. the two winter sports. And so, I don't know. Maybe I could have been pretty good or maybe I would have found a lot of enjoyment in those. You bet. I learned to ski when I went to graduate school in North Carolina in the mountains where, you know, it's really closer to ice skating than it is to skiing. Yeah. And then I came out here and, you, you know, kind of thinking, oh, wait, wait a minute, there's actually snow over the ice. That's the way it's supposed to be. But that skill set came much later in life because yeah. of just, you know, where I had the fortune or misfortune to grow up. Well, you know, you talk about kids playing other sports. From my end, from from a hockey development side of things, if every little kid in our sport could go do gymnastics, I'd be doing backflips. Oh. Like, you know, you think of the things that, you know, it, it, those foundational movement skills that you can acquire at, at those ages, and that's it, just going to make you, yeah. So, yeah. you know, wrestling, you mentioned wrestling. I'd love to see the competitiveness, the, you know, the strength, those things that, that come into sports like that. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you, Kids can learn something from from every sport. I mean, we're a team invasion sport, but some of the things that they can get from individual sports that are prevalent that aren't in ours as yeah. much. You know, I mean, uh, you know, in individual sports, if if it, if you have to take responsibility for everything because it's you're the only one. Yeah. Where you can't rely on teammates to get some things done. You know, you have to step forward in a lot of things. So, some great tactical, mental tactical things that you're mm-hmm. going to learn versus, you know, whether it's soccer, lacrosse or baseball, there's all things you can bring back to at least our sport. Yeah. Um, so all good for us to have our kids go do those things. Well, I make the argument. Um, and actually, um, you were at the conference Dave McCann put on up in mm-hmm. Denver, right? Yeah. Um, in one of the breakout sessions had, uh, or maybe it was in the large session. I can't remember. One of the soccer coaches said they encouraged their kid to play an individual sport at some other time, because they have to learn that mm-hmm. self-reliance, it, it is on me. Uh, yeah, I hit a bad golf shot. I'm going to look at my club. You know, still not sure why, but I look at my club right. and do that. But it's really me. And yeah. he thinks that skill really helps them out as soccer players because they take on that sense of responsibility that I have to own this yeah. and, and be responsible for it. And well, that was have, really enlightening we, to me. We've actually done surveys with our NHL and players and Olympians and those things. And We'll ask me, you know, what sports did you play when you were a kid? And, you know, uh, different things. What did you learn? And mm-hmm. we've, you know, wide variety. And they all really say, will tell you that I, I brought this to hockey, you know. So, um, again, for our kids, really, really valuable. Yeah, very good. All right. Need to wrap this up a little bit because you have a hockey program to grow in this country. <laughs> Not so right. serious. Talk to me. All right. I always end up uh, – Actually, let me let me finish up with something. Anything else you want to you want to jump in on that, you know? You know, I, I think this is where we're at with our ADM program. It, I think there's an opportunity for all of our sports to look at this. We're all looking at the same developmental material. I mean, the technical skills in our sports are different, but sure. how kids grow, learn, and develop is not. So there's stuff that we can take from from each other. Um, and it really does take sort of a team effort. We're all fighting culture. Uh, we have an American sports culture that we're very proud of at a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. But I think across the board, it's gotten a little out of whack. Things keep getting pushed down younger and younger. And, you know, that that's maybe not necessarily a, a good thing. And for us to make a dent in this, we're, we're not just changing ice hockey. We, uh, we have to change culture. Yeah. And the more teammates we have across the board here, the better it is for all of us in getting things done in our sports. So, you know, USA Hockey's taken um, a pretty holistic approach with this. And, you know, Dave Ogren, our executive director, he's fantastic. I mean, he's on the board with the U.S. Olympic Committee and you know, wants to see success not just in our sport, but in the entire Olympic movement. Yeah. So, you know, he's always been very good at telling our staff, hey, you know what, we want you to be, want you to be leaders, we want you to be helpful. And if we can do things for our, our brethren out there, 
so to speak, um, you know, we want to do that. So, um, and again, we're a team sport, so we're always looking to see who, who the heck is going to be our teammates. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I, I've got to jump in on something. You, you've alluded to this, or you've kind of talked around this, and it's a term that um, Kristen Diefenbach and I really like, and I actually told her I think we need to get this in the vocabulary, is the adultification of youth sports. Yeah. And that's... I, I love that word because – has the adult in there and then it has this other connotation in there about what we're doing to use sports that you I think bet. is really driving it home is the adultification she and I have talked about that a couple of times and so I'm, I'm trying to get it out there I, I like that no, that, <clears throat> yeah. that, that actually fits very well it, it does that uh, we screw things up way too often alright I'm going to ask you a few questions here one is and, and this is a recent addition to, to this group of questions okay. if you had a magic wand what what coaching practice would you eliminate? Um, um, you can have more than yeah, one. Yeah, no, you, want. you know what? It, it, for me, I go around a lot of times with youth youth coaches. It's different with with professionals and but our youth mm-hmm. coaches. Um, I'd like them to stop telling kids what to do all the time. Okay, very good. Versus asking more questions from our kids, but it's not just telling them what to do. It's you'll see youth coaches all the time say. Don't do this. Don't oh, spend good. all their time telling them what not to do. Well, <laughs> eyes have glazed over. There's no, you know, if we're going to communicate with our kids, it, it, you know, occasionally it's, hey, do this. That's fine. But yep. especially from the don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And the kid turns around finally and goes, well, what the hell do you want me to do? Yeah. Right. So. Um, that would probably be ask more questions, stop telling them what to do. Let them figure a few things out. That's you know? a great one. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Our, our friend John Kessel talks about, you know, allowing people to make mistakes and be messy. Well, and then go back and ask them, hey, you know, one of the tactics to try and use in, in practice all the time that works really, really well is you'll put a kid into some situation and you'll say, you'll let them go. And then you'll come, just come back to them and say, look, what happened? Yeah. They'll tell you exactly what happened and then say, okay, we'll do it again. Mm-hmm. And they never make the same mistake. Yeah. They fix it. Yep. Right then and there. They're it, little it, Thomas Edison's. Oh, they are. You know, experiment, that didn't work. I'll try something else. Didn't work. I'll That's try right. something else. That didn't work. That's right. All right. It may take you a hundred times to figure it out, but it's so ingrained in you when yeah. you learn it that way. Versus just the coach who's standing there, and then you build you build this whole dependency thing where I'm constantly looking at the coach to see what. That's to do. right. I'm a huge college football fan, but one of the things that drives me nuts: team comes up line scrimmage, they get set, and then five guys are looking over the line to the sideline to see it. it's like going, oh, "No, well, what? It, stop!" It, it, so that is that a might really, be my magic wand thing. Yeah, but that is a really good point because football. Like I'm like everybody. I love watching football. It's, it's yep. yeah, right. It's what we do on the weekends sure. and yeah, Super Bowl. And but the way that sport is executed and delivered is so unlike almost every other sport. Exactly. It's so scripted, so planned. You know, okay, if if you're a figure skater, you have a, a routine that you <laughs> have to follow. Like, okay, there's some, yeah. But my word, you know. But people in our country are so in tune with that that they transfer a lot of that back to every other sport that they want things to be this planned execution that yeah. that's not the way, especially invasion sports like ours, you know. True. You know, they, I love that term invasion sport, by the way. I don't think I've ever heard that really phrase before. Yeah. If if I like it. It is it's so descriptive about <laughs> what it is. You are. You're invading another person's space. That's right. Yeah, yeah, so I love that. Basketball, love that. soccer, lacrosse, sure. all, all you know, we're yeah. all falling to that. Yeah. So it, it's it's really and, and in sport like us, I mean, we we're behind a we're a long ways away. The parents are behind glass even. Like the kids get out there and in our things are happening so fast that there's no way I could be directing traffic True. from the bench. True. Know, they have they have to figure it out. Yeah. So, you know, if we're not allowing them to figure it out in practice, how are we expecting them to, to solve those problems and exactly um, be right. independent thinkers when they're on the rink? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Lots of tangents. Sorry. Sure, I, yeah, I, I no love worries. tangents. I'm a big fan of tangents. That's I love geometry good. in high school, so I'm a big fan of tangents. All right. Um, so what's the best advice you ever received? Best advice? Um, really, you know, be who you are as a coach. Um, don't 
try and change because you think somebody, you know, that's what it, players will see right through it. Um, you got to be sort of true to your personality and who you are and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, you know, it was the same when you were you know, evaluating players because I was a player personnel guy for our national teams for about five years in there. And it was sort of like who you like, you know, you're, you've got a job to do, go and don't be swayed by a bunch of other, you know, you see what you see and like who you like, and you'll be wrong every once in a while, but you'll probably be right more often than not. So, um, good piece of advice. Yeah. Um, authors, books, blogs, Oh boy! What do you like to read? I, and, yeah, and, and I know you're 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 pursuing an advanced degree right yeah. now, so, so you know yeah. it may be I, John Cote, and then that's all you're reading. Or, or yeah, or so yeah. Um, when you already mentioned John Kessel, so like just exactly. finding a way to keep up with John. He's, he's such a prolific yeah. um, writer. I, I wished I had that skill, Me but too. I, I can tell you my my. Uh, uh, graduate statistics uh, and uh, maybe human bioenergetics book textbooks are probably not the most um, captivating, <laughs> enticing reads right now for me to share with, okay. with everybody else. One minute. So, now, I love bioenergetics. I love metabolism. So, that all right, would be no, great I, for I, me. Yeah. I understand. Stats, so I totally get yeah, yeah. that. So, Got yeah. It's been 25 uh, plus years now since I've been in school. So, yeah, this is gr- a little bit of a grind. Go, th- I, I am enjoying it, but it, you know, you do grind through a few things like your statistics. Yes, and yeah. every graduate student out there can relate to their yeah. stats class on that. Absolutely, so your common bond with many of us out yeah. there. Right. All right, my last question. Everybody, everybody hates this question. I love this question though. <laughs> <clears throat> Five people, living, dead, fictional, uh, that you want to have dinner with. You know, um, I think uh, Ben Franklin. Oh, good call. Um, just yeah, statesman, inventor, like postmaster. Like, yeah, started the first library in the United States. Had, had his yeah. hands in everything. Like, yeah. Talk about being able to be so talk diverse. About multilateral development. It, it, unbelievable, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think as coaches, you know, it's one of the things that we have to be in a lot of different areas. We've got to be decent in psychology right mm-hmm. we got to be decent in uh, our sport there's, there's a lot of things we got organization finances you name it a lot gets thrown on your plate and true um so those type of people you know the, a, another one would be like a steve jobs you know right yeah. i mean being able to have some vision and creativity in what you do is is really important and to create a company like apple that has changed um, a lot of the way human beings do things, at least in our country, maybe not yep. across the planet in every country, but at least the way we do things, sure. they, they've had a huge, huge impact. You know, and again, you'd probably go back to like a, a Leonardo da Vinci or somebody like that. That's, uh, yeah. you know, again, can multi, can do so many different things and do it really, really well. Yes. I'd like to ask him, how, how do you do that? Yeah, because, really? You know, it, it's, Yeah. Like those, I can't think of anybody That's more right. off the top of my head, but oh, it, it would be people like that, that yeah. um, creative, inventive, inventive, but really pursuing so many different things at once and being exceptional yeah. at it. Yeah. Very you know? good. Good group. Yeah. Okay. Good group. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that. All right. Good. Well, Ken, thanks for taking time and, and sharing and, um, you know, sharing your views and USA Hockey views on the American development model. And it is growing. I, I think we're making mm-hmm. inroads with this idea in other places. Oh, and yeah. Other NGBs have certainly started yeah. adapting as, as they can and doing this. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, in our lifetime, we'll see this to become the norm. Well, you know, and I, like I mentioned, I think we've got good teammates going on. And it's, it's a wide variety of sports right now. You know, tennis has been great, you know, mm-hmm. swimming and, and lacrosse and, you know, uh, wrestling is d- doing some things. Like, yep. you know, everybody's kind of making, chipping away at this, you know. Mm-hmm. I've probably left out a few, too, that I, I should mention. But yeah. that's that's a really good thing. And the more teammates we have, the, the more impact we're going to have. Well, it's really nice if everybody's on the same page where the hockey coach, you know, has the kid who, you know, I'm, I'm going to, 
I want to take this part of the season off and I want to go play baseball. And he goes, great, come on back. And the baseball yeah. coach doesn't hold it against them that they didn't play yeah. baseball or year round yeah. and do that and said, yeah, come on. That's great. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, you know, there's ways to do, do that. There's ways of doing it uh, with that. All right. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam.